How do you do? The Box Office Pulp Board feels it would be a little unkind to present this podcast without just a word of friendly warning. We're about to unfold a cinematic commentary track, made by a group of men who sought to create a podcast after their own ravings, without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with three great mysteries of the internet, analysis, observation, and deconstruction. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel you'd not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now's your chance to... Well, we've warned you. Now, to pause and refresh. For your convenience, we have an attractive refreshment stand in the lobby, with buttered popcorn, golden good and hot from the popper, your favorite candies, wholesome and rich, so delicious Dr. Pepper, so bright and brisk, with a tang and tingle unmatched by any other beverage. Our dwarves are Dr. Pepper at our beverage stand right now. And in return, we fully appreciate this bump and a tragedy. Jeez, she looks crazier in a sack full of cats. The following movie is rated R. Welcome to Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for movies, madness, moxie, and tonight, everybody's least favorite Saw. Uh, that's right, this bop in a movie is covering Saw, the final chapter, a.k.a. Saw 3D, a.k.a. Saw 7, a.k.a. Saw, the, the worst one. Uh, it's, it's bad. It's not good. But with that said, I'm your host, Cody. Joining me today are my co-host, Mike. Say hello, Mike. I don't have a saw joke this time. Um, I just want to detail exactly how angry I am right now. So I could be right now as we're recording is a wrestling match of Will Ospreay versus Josh Alexander two, their second match. And I could be watching that. And instead, I'm watching saw the final chapter. I don't have a joke. I just want you to know how much I'm sacrificing here. Mike, you did this to yourself by being sick. If you had been healthy, we could have recorded this weeks ago and just moved on with our lives, but you had to almost die. That was COVID's fault, which in turn (laughs) is Trump's fault. Donald Trump is the reason I'm missing. I don't care if I'm DVRing it. Don't look at me like that. (laughs) Okay, well, I think that's the end of Mike's rant. Uh, Jamie, did you get COVID or uh, somehow get assaulted by Donald Trump on the way to this recording? Shockingly, no. Uh, I I wish that things were more eventful. I'm looking at my notes right now, and at a certain point, I just kind of trail off and end with the line, there are movies I've never heard of I care about more. I think that's going to sum up uh, this commentary. That's beautiful. (laughs) A great logline for the film, if I've ever read one. But you know what? Those movies don't have the character of Gibson in them. Good old... Gibby? I've already forgotten which one Gibson is, to be honest. He's the cop. Oh, yeah. yeah he's our guy. hero for the film. He's FBI, remember? He's, he's the hero the for, like, the police department. No, 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 he's, he's internal affairs. Yeah. That's right, that's right, that's right. <sighs> All right. Well, I remember it's made a distinction in the commentary that he's a specifically different kind of cop, so they're not repeating themselves. No, 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 this guy, he's new. Don't worry about it. <sighs> I, I, I mostly have been dreading this one because of the, the drink I picked. I figured as the worst Saw film, I, I should drop all pretense of trying to make a good cocktail that's hindered by Malort and just embrace the darkness. Uh, this particularly uh, particular idea 
excuse me, was inspired by YouTuber Unemployed Wine Guy, who has a whole series of really mm-hmm. awful Malort mixes. I would highly recommend checking them out. He just did one where he put thickener in Malort and made some sort of thick Malort goo that oh, he tried to, to eat. I saw uh, that. That was gnarly. It was, was it was, it, yeah, he's my hero. Anyways, uh, this is, this is a warning. Viewers should not attempt to recreate this cocktail. I shouldn't even tell you the ratios. This is one of those things where I should be locked up for even telling you it's a thing you could make. Uh, God have mercy on my soul. Anyways, uh, today we are drinking Malort Ranch Dressing. Ah, so you're, oh, you're gonna... oh, 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 Jesus Christ. Cody, my <laughs> dinner tonight was a salad with ranch. How dare you? Uh, there, there's a picture of it in the group chat you guys can appreciate. Uh, I don't um, want to. So you're, you're going to need it. equal parts Malort. Uh, I, I, oh, use an I hate that no. it's, it's in a the cup that we share ownership of. Like, we both own that. Oh, the little skull shot glass? Yeah, yeah I hate that. I hate it, that it was a so present. Much. I don't know why I'm tainting it with bad memories. Uh, First you make piss, like now you make cum. Excellent. Cum, yeah, <laughs> that's what it looks like. Mm. So, so this it is... It looks like spicy cum. <laughs> that's, uh, well, maybe the taste. We'll find out. Uh, this is an ounce and a half of Malort, an ounce and a half of heavy whipping cream, uh, and just get a little nasty. Uh, about a heaping half teaspoon of spicy ranch seasoning. Uh, the original version of this had regular ranch, so this is this is my one-upping unemployed wine guy by making it spicy ranch. Uh, one one note here: when you mix this stuff, you really got to shake it so it gets that kind of ranchy consistency. You don't want it runny. Um, I'm I'm drinking this one room temperature because that's going to make it better. Um, and it, it's recommended to use full fat, heavy whipping cream to prevent the mix from curdling, uh, and, and becoming somehow even worse. Um, so basically dump it all into a shaker, shake, 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 keep shaking, shaking. Oh, until it's a thick, horrible paste. I garnish mine with just another little dash of spicy ranch on top to kind of pretty it up a little bit. And the, the, that's, that's the mix. I, my hands are shaking. I really don't want to drink this. I don't... <laughs> I don't know why I agreed to do this. I, I did this myself. Take the medicine, Dr. Jekyll. All right, here I am holding, I'm, I'm describing this on a Snapchat. I'm now describing this to you and the Snapchat at the same time, so we're getting a video that's bouncing back and forth between too many people. I'm about to attempt to drink Ranch Malort. Bottoms up. Oh, Jesus Christ. <coughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, that's oh, oh, bad. Uh, I can hear the consistency of it in your mouth. That's the bad part. His name was Robert Paulson. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I got like half of that shot down. <laughs> uh, there's an aftertaste of ranch. Spicy ranch. Oh, no, that is very bad. That doesn't taste like spicy cum at all. Uh, oh, uh, it's got the Malort aftertaste. <laughs> Oh no! I didn't. I thought like this would that. be the come of a come of a sexy Colombian man. Oh God! I um, oh. uh, Malort uh, and Ranch mixed together, just like this movie has two scripts bashed together. Yeah, oh, survive, Cody. I I forgot my mixer in the fridge. I need to. I'll be back momentarily. <laughs> this one beat me. I'm not even. I'm not even going to attempt to drink the second fucking half of that thing. Oh my God! Jesus! I can't get out of my mouth. What's great is in the image is uh, is a Hidden Valley Ranch container right behind it, so it's a little advertisement. (laughs) Well, Cody recovers. Uh, I'm doing something a little unusual tonight, and I've brought out alcohol myself. 
Apothic Red Winemaker's Blend, which is serviceable grocery store wine. Because even Jamie cannot make it through this movie completely sober. Um, I I, I just put on some uh, pomegranate uh, lip balm, and um, I have tea. So yeah, that's what that's what I got going on. Okay, I'm I'm sorry about that. That was awful. We'll finish it. Tell I, us, I, Cody. I, Cody, ugh. tell us. Do you cherish your life now? No, I want to die. This, this this pushed me over the edge. I don't want to live anymore. Uh, it's still in, oh, fuck me, I can't get it out of my mouth. It was in my mustache, too, like I had a little milk mustache and fucking my wart. <laughs> I have oh. to say, the, um, I'm glad we said it was calm right up front, because this is all <laughs> hilarious now. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, I posted the reaction to my Snapchat story, if you uh, want to check that out. I love how much content we're getting out of this. This is good. Oh, Christ. This is good stuff. This is, this, uh, is, this is excellent. Did you post that video on our, uh, on our X it's true. I, yeah, I did. I did save it so I can. You should do that. Yeah. Well, what's on Blue Sky? I cannot. Oh, it's still there. It it haunts me. <laughs> You've made this I, movie worse for yourself. You're gonna have to sit here mm, now. I can't wait no, for you I, to do I, movie facts while recovering from this. It's okay. I got I got a can of hams, a uh, beer, and a a, a fun size. I swear to God, bar. I thought you were just gonna say a can <laughs> of ham. I'm just gonna be slurping. Just it's, it's, a, it's a can. It's a can. Out of the can. <laughs> it's a can of spam, and I'm just gonna chop it off my fork and just kind of slurp it down. Uh, Jalapeno spam. Damn it, Mike! You ruined my drink for uh, the next Saw movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Spiral is gonna be spiral. Ah, fuck. Okay. Bump well, in a tragedy. Bump in a tragedy. Let's get this train out of the station, Mike. You want to count us down? Uh, sure. Uh, we're watching, not that it matters if you're watching the unrated cut or the theatrical, because there's like 11 <laughs> seconds of fucking difference. Um, but, you know, if you even want to watch it with us, you may not want to. That's fair. I suffered for this art. You better goddamn review us on iTunes and watch the whole episode. <laughs> I'm going to count to three after I say three. We're all going to press play and get through this hour and a half. My mustache smells like fucking ranch. I can't oh, get it out. God. Uh, one, two, three. Movie fact time. This yeah. one was woo, directed against his will by Kevin Greider. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> well, we'll get into this a little further, but this man was legally forced to direct this film. He was lined up to direct Paranormal Activity 2, which he knew was going to be a massive hit. Uh, and then Lionsgate came down and said, we don't really want you working with the competition. You had a contract. We're going to enforce it. Fuck you. Uh, it's a miracle this guy ever came back to direct more Saw movies because I would have been so goddamn pissed. I would have I would have like intentionally ruined this movie, which he might have uh, and never set foot on Lionsgate lots again. That's some um, uh, Stuart Gordon not getting to direct uh, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids kind of shit. Yeah, also, we are one really... second in and this is already terrible. That is 3D pipe. Uh, this entry was written by Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan. You know them. We've talked about them. Uh, really, the weird thing is they've been writing these since like Saw 4. So it's surprising that this one takes such a nosedive in quality. But uh, we'll get into that as well. There's there's many reasons why that happened. Our cast. Tobin Bell shows up wearing a baseball hat backwards. It's very funny. <laughs> Costas Mandalore is pretty much kind of our, our main antagonist now as Detective Hoffman. Uh, Betsy Russell is back as Jill. 
Carrie Elwes is back, as you can see, crawling through this grimy hallway as Dr. Gordon, a moment that I think all Saw fans have been dreaming of since Saw 1. And, and then we get this, and it's like, oh, that was, I guess, what we wanted. Uh, I, I think the producers had been pretty coy about Gordon's fate for all these years because they didn't know if they could bring him back or not due to the lawsuit that was happening between him and Lionsgate. Uh, I mean, according to the it, writers, like they, every single movie, every, the question on everyone's mind was, is this the one where Gordon comes back? Like that was always what everyone would have preferred to have done from the sound of it. Right. Like imagine if they just done this at like four, like they brought Gordon back in four and all of a sudden we had a driving force between antagonists. It could have been really cool. Instead, it's it's this. Uh, burn that stump, baby. God, that's got to smell bad. Uh, and rounding out our cast, we have uh, Sean Patrick Flannery as Bobby. And it, it's kind of wild seeing a fairly well-known actor step into a Saw movie. We don't have a ton that have appeared in here. Uh, and it's weird that it's so late in the game. You know, Saw 7, they're like, oh, let's get another big name star. Uh, the dude was young Indiana, Indiana Jones in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Uh, most people probably know him as Connor McManus in the Boondock Saint films. Uh, he was Greg Stilson in the Dead Zone TV show that ran for five years. Plus, he was on Masters of Horror, Dexter, CSI, and The Boys. So he's he's been all over the place. Oh, look, it's this saw trap. I, I, I got to skip some movie facts because we got to talk about this. We have to talk thing. about everything going on here right, which first is of like all, a microcosm i just want to say it wasn't until the very end of this that i realized this wasn't an in-universe parody i was watching because this looks like it's from a stab movie it it feels so silly they're both wearing matching outfits like jigsaw dressed them up in <laughs> perfectly new white like henleys and and coveralls it's rad uh and the reaction of the crowd is very weird. It's eh. There's a reason why all the other Saw films happened in secret, because it just feels very silly when they're in a glass box. The idea, I, I will say, the idea of doing like a public execution style Saw trap because Jigsaw wants to uh, gospel publicly, essentially, is interesting as an idea, none of that is really conveyed here. Or I mean, it was a, m a much better idea whenever it was the ending to this movie, where it actually made plot sense. Yeah, the, right. Uh, part of like part of the reason oh, for this is you're supposed to then like go through the crowd at the end, Brad, but go through the crowd at the end, and then you see that Jigsaw's watching, so it puts it a time timeline. And then you eventually reveal that. Who he's talking to while he's watching is Doctor Gordon, and this is like him showing his showing him how to how to do it in his work. And that's since that's not hook. here, yeah. And since that's not here, this makes this is just here for no fucking reason. Um, especially since these are the two guys at the end of the movie wearing the fucking pig mask, Doctor Gordon, which you don't know. So this still doesn't make any fucking sense as to why that's here. Also, it's just mean and misogynistic like the misogynistic most blatantly yeah. misogynistic to be ever yeah you brought like this girl and she was dating other, other guys kill her it's it's a i don't understand what jigsaw's point it's yeah i don't know what kind of lesson it blows my mind that this is kramer considering this is the most designed by hoffman trap i could imagine 100 percent 
Um, also, the thing so, that's so depressing about this to me is that up until this point, they've been so deliberate in the Saw franchise, even if it's weaker moments, to at least cast people who aren't just the people you see in every other shitty 2000s horror movie. Yeah. This is the cast of a Platinum Dunes movie getting slaughtered right here. It feels also, like a softcore porn cast most of the time. Yeah. Um, and, and people love to pick these kind of traps apart to be like, how would you get out of this? This one seems pretty straightforward. Like, it looks like there's enough give in the saw where you could have one guy lean way back and pull the saw blade over so no one has to get chopped in half. But I digress. That's the nitpicky. That's what happens when the movie sucks. You focus on those stupid little details and you get hung up on them. Uh, it's all surface shit, but you can't get it out of your mind because, ugh. It's too hard to go pick apart all the reasons why it sucks. Another thing about this trap, it was uh, a, kind of a mandate from the studio. They were, the writers were told they needed a big spectacle scene that didn't feel like it was part of any previous Saw. So their idea was, okay, we do something very public, something brightly lit, and you end up with something that looks cheap instead. Another thing we kind of hinted at, but I wanted to go into more detail, was this movie was supposed to be two movies. Saw was supposed to have a two-part finale that ended with part eight. But when they decided to use 3D for this film, they lost a ton of budget, and they, they were kind of like, okay, well, let's just wrap this up now. Lionsgate isn't going to necessarily approve us for an eighth film, so we can't do a, a hang a cliffhanger. So this whole thing was rewritten into one movie, jammed into 90 minutes, and this scene, like Mike said, used to be an ending, and now it just becomes a beginning, and it doesn't really fit, but I feel like the writers must have been under the gun enough where they just said, okay, we have to repurpose what we have. We can't come up with brand new ideas. Just save what you can and slap it together. There's a lot of most of the plot of this movie, and I use plot loosely, is made up of things that shouldn't have been kept when it was combined into one film. Yeah. And it's so fucking puzzling. Like it, it's I mean, crazy to think this was the end of Saw for so long because mm -hmm. it it has no real point to it. It doesn't seem to mean anything and is mean-spirited and is made up of just a couple of concepts. I mean, whenever you're planning to do two movies that are one movie of setup, one movie of payoff, and then you have to combine them, you lose the stuff from the setup movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, why Those Why would you things. even think to adapt anything from the script that isn't the end of Saw? The only point, the only point for the original Saw 7 to exist was to then tease Gordon at the very last scene. Exactly. Plus, that particular trap bothers me because you can see exactly how the magic's done. Like, you can see she's hung up on that big beam so she can stick her head and hands out and they have a, you know a fake body built on top of that beam with the guts in it so it can get sawed. Yeah. And it, it's like, okay, that's really <laughs> obvious filmmaking compared to a lot of the other stunts they've done throughout the series. And it's, it's also one of those things where it's like, me. this bothers me a lot too. But just, it's like, you can seeing him get away. Her yeah, seeing this... him get away is just like such a bad omen for like where this is, where this is going. Jill run. Zoom. But yeah, and that, that previous trap just drives me wild because all they would need is a little bit of realism of the body's weight hanging it down a little bit from the beam. Like, if you show a couple shots of that. The pink blood doesn't help either. Yeah, it's... Uh, blood in this movie is terrible. God, I re when I rewatched this, I thought this was a dream sequence at first because it felt 
wrong. Like it somehow like Hoffman, from a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah, she runs away and somehow Hoffman like heads her off by accident, <laughs> and he just busts down that locked door without a problem. <laughs> it's 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 weird. Uh, it's supposed to be cat and mouse, but it's mostly her just hiding. That he takes the mask with him. One thing I want to point out, back to our movie facts, uh, the cinematography in this film was handled by Brian Gredge. Uh, David Armstrong had been the DP for the first six Saw movies, and that provided a huge amount of visual continuity between all the different directors, writers, years. This was Gredge's first job as a director of photography for a film. He'd previously uh, been in television. He'd uh, been the DP for an episode of Regenesis in 2005 and three episodes of Little Men back in 1999. I'm not sure what that is, but I like to assume it's a uh, gender flop version of Little Women. The bulk of his credits came as a camera operator and second unit director. Uh, his connection to the Saw fr franchise goes all the way back to Saw 2, though, where he was a camera operator and a DP for the second unit. So he'd been with this crew for quite a while, and it made sense to promote him up after Armstrong left. Uh, he'd also been a camera operator on Saws 3, 4, 5, and 6, along with Repo, the genetic opera. Now, not to shit on this guy, a big part of the problem is he's trying to film for 3D. The no look of this movie is so yeah. different from the other films. Like, just, it looks flat. It's it's overlit in a lot of spots. The color is weird. It doesn't look good. And not that any of the Saws look particularly beautiful but they hit what they're aiming for and they they had a really good aesthetic this one ain't that we're it, in it full once again, cinematic like territory yeah also this spot okay this line coming up she looks crazier than a bag of cats what exactly is crazy looking about jill hmm. <laughs> calmly sitting in the room yeah i guess Ooh. i there's there's just a weird hatred here for Jill throughout the movie, like the fact that they have to kill her off twice, and they assume that's what the fans wanted, so they had to make it extra gory. Yeah, I don't know I don't... why people felt like Jill a needed to die, or why we needed to like go so hardcore into it. Is it like a Skylar thing from Breaking Bad? Like a woman, <laughs> she should have let her husband be a murderer. Other I don't, like, I don't can, get it. Can like let me know, but I don't remember like hardcore hatred of Jill. She hasn't done anything. The movie's no, haven't allowed her to really do anything. Honestly, one of the fucked up things with this movie is the fact that Jill dies, which feels like it negates kind of everything. Like, well, it just kind of reinforces that, okay, if she actually killed Hoffman at the end of the last movie, that's actually a solid ending for Saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, that's actually, like, she ends up doing a jigsaw thing, and Hoffman's game ends... Granted, you can you still have that, and then but but Hoffman outsmarts it and gets away, so you kind of have like one ending storyline. But then you don't end it with then, and then Jill dies, and then Hoffman dies. Credits. It ends <laughs> where this. It ends where the last movie ended. Essentially, they just swapped out. Okay, we'll put in the fan favorite, and then we'll kill Jill because everyone hates Jill. It has to be the reasoning, right? And then she and she also just then immediately goes to the police and goes on the run, and then like hours in a jail cell the entire time despite the fact she knows gordon and the rest of the cult is out there it's very weird yeah it, it feels half-baked see that's the problem if the movie had been good you kind of forgive some of those details but it's yeah. not so you end up fixating on them see here, here's the split for me we have 
Hoffman immediately going on the lamb. You know, his face is scarred. They know he's a killer. He has to destroy his old identity. If anything, this would have been the time to say, we are making a different saw. We're going to try something completely different here. Instead yeah. of traps, we have the big, bad, sadistic wolf on the run. And he knows how to get to Jill and just make it a movie of him versus the cops. You can add some Saw-level details in there and goriness and maybe some traps as they go after his lair, that kind of thing. But you yeah. don't need the games anymore. And and here we get the introduction of the games, and boy, they just feel tacked on. It's another one where I don't give a shit about the B-plot. Which is so nothing. frustrating because it's probably the best premise for a Saw B-plot of the whole series. The idea of somebody... No. The idea of somebody making a whole career out of pretending to have been in a trap and then being forced to live out their own lie. Like, oh, there's there's so much meat in there you could sink your teeth into. This movie does nothing with that. Yeah, it's it's wasted. All right. Again, the most interesting, here. I was okay. gonna say the most interesting idea in it, it was the idea of and then at the very end he has to do the last trap in public with everyone finding out that he's a fraud and they had Which to, would have been to great. move that to the beginning because of the mandate that they do something different. Yeah. Like it would have tied in so neatly if it became a public trap there instead of being completely useless at the beginning. It's, it's such a wasted potential. Anyways, I'm going to run through our soft facts here. We only have a couple more left. I swear. Uh, our music, Charlie Clouser's back. Uh, this was Andrew uh, edited by Andrew Colts. Uh, Coates stepped in as editor from the previous saw when uh, Reutert was promoted up from editing to directing. This movie was released October 29th, 2010. Uh, for once, this film came out more than one year from the previous entry, and it was a whole week, because typically <laughs> they came out a week before Halloween. This one came out pretty much on Halloween. They had that extra the week with the was, 3D conversion. Yeah. <laughs> they forgot to do the color grading, but they got the 3D. Uh, the budget was $17 million. Uh, this is a pretty notable jump forward, actually, from the previous entries, which cost uh, about $6 million less than this. But that extra budget was eaten up for plus extra by jumping to a 3D production, which was harder to work with, slower, involved a lot of testing. This was fairly new ground for them. I mean, Avatar came out in, what, the end of 2009? So 3D as a craze was really just taking off, and they were kind of on the front end of it, really. Uh, so they, they didn't have a lot to learn from other people on how to do these things, or even if they could do what a lot of other movies did later on, a post-production conversion to 3D. So extra money, and it all got eaten up by a gimmick that doesn't really work, and no one has 3D TVs anymore, so you can't even enjoy all that extra work. The gimmick that was done for the sole reason of getting a couple of extra bucks out of this movie like just just be solely because the last one didn't make as much money and they thought okay well at the very least if the ticket prices are a little bit more expensive the uh our runaway money will be a little bit uh a little bit extra here's the thing though and i i had to double check this because i thought i was going crazy i thought i was looking at the wrong wiki page the worldwide box office for this was $136 million. Now, the high mark for the franchise was Saw 3 at $165 million. The previous film brought in less than $70 million. So this, this basically doubled the box office of the previous film. So I don't know if it's just calling it the final Saw got people into the theaters because they want to see how it all played out. 
or if it was the 3D or the combination of the two. But financially, this one did great. Like, they, they made a shit ton more money than they had in the last few entries, which kind of surprised me that they didn't immediately come back and go, hey, we lied. There is going to be a Saw 8 right away. I think they knew they kind of like, okay, we kind of got away with that one making money because of the 3D and because we were calling it the last one. Yeah. They we burned no all the bridges. Was be replicated. <laughs> Especially after Paranormal Activity 2 comes out. Right, Enter the have... stupidest thing in Saw history. <laughs> and once again, it just feels like something out of, like, <laughs> she's kind of, like, scantily dressed, and it's just weird, and... It's... It's gets Scarred a... Hoffman, though, so that's cool. Yeah. The only, the, literally, a... the only good thing about this entire movie is Hoffman having vaguely Jigsaw piece-esque scarring. Like, he it's suddenly marvels a, Jigsaw now. It's a silly way to kill someone, too. Like, even in a dream, the best you can come up with is we have a slowly moving harpoon car. It's so bad. You can also uh, see Jill's tits for, like, a split second there, meaning that they went out of their way to animate that. Anatomically correct um, mannequin. Okay, so we're into this trap, which at least is visually very cool. Also, hey, Chester, I really miss you. For fans who don't know, this is Chester from Lincoln Park, who was so into this, he was okay with a role where they essentially glued him into a car in the middle of the freezing night. <laughs> it angers me so He was a big Saw fan, and it angers me so much they finally put him in a Saw movie, and it's this one. For, like, his only movie role of all time. You know you gotta be a fan, though, when they're like, hey, do you want to play, like, a skinhead Nazi, and we're gonna, like, rip your skin off, and you're gonna have to sit outside in, like, the freezing Canadian air all night? Yes, I will show up 100% for this. Do you want to scream for 12 hours straight? Right. <laughs> Got a role in the uh, Scream Queen uh, season winner there underneath the car wheel. Mm -hmm. Uh, going back to that last dream sequence, one thing the writers pointed out, too, was uh, they, they were kind of told, hey, we want a scene that we can use in the trailer, and we think teasing Jill's death would really get fans excited. So that was part of the reason why she was selected for a dream sequence death, so they could put that in the trailer, but not give away her actual death. Yeah, it's still all seems function a little instead silly. of story. Yeah, it's, it's, it's backwards from how it should be. You shouldn't be thinking of the trailer first, and then like how everything works in your movie after. One of the many moments in the history of co of Saul commentaries where you could hear them trying their hardest not to laugh during that scene. <laughs> I think it says everything. There's not a director's commentary, but there is a producer's commentary per usual. There's always a producer's commentary. They are the guys in charge. Yeah. I, I will say, we've, we've talked a couple times here how the best traps in Saw are normally the ones that are more simplistic in execution. And I like that this one doesn't have a bunch of super, super crazy moving parts or audible readers or anything. It's just a guy glued to a car seat is, is the main crux of the trap. Uh, we get some pretty, pretty good gnarly FX work to go with it. It's a good gag. Oh yeah. Great. And it plays in that whole, like, I think everyone's skewed out by the whole, like uh, your skin fusing to vinyl seats. Yeah. yeah. Like you ever sat in a hot car. <laughs> yeah. 
plays into that nicely. This, movie, this scene is pretty much the end of this movie having anything remotely entertaining in it, too. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a long slog from this well, point on. Well, we do get Gorn's one other scene where Harry Elways is having the time of his life, clapping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Playing his arch as fuck. Because he uh, read one, the script. One thing I want to mention uh, about the 3D was uh, it, it was mentioned in, I believe, the producer's commentary that they didn't want to do gimmicky 3D with a bunch of stuff like popping out at the screen. They definitely have a lot of that, but they want to use a lot more stuff with depth to give it some amount of class, which is the stupidest thing possible. If you're making a Saw 7, I want you to take the gimmick to the absolute max. I want all the 3D possible. I want it to be like my bloody Valentine 3D. Yeah, I want to, I want to see everything flying at the camera. I want them to like do Friday the 13th part 3D where like they had the pitchfork slowly pointed at the camera so you get the 3D effect to the maximum. We are so far into this thing. Just fucking go for it. I don't and if I'm going to saw I don't want like ooh, look at it really feels like they're in a church. I can see it's 10 feet back. Wow. No. <laughs> I want to see an eyeball fly directly in my face. That's all I want. It's crazy looking at this without 3D is wow, everything just looks really flat and uninteresting. Yeah. They sacrificed we, we, we do all the one of the at film. camera effect, and that's about it. Yeah. Anyways, we are about to get back to the reintroduction of Gordon. Oh, Jesus Christ, this fucking. The, uh, I... uh, Hoff, Hoffman <laughs> really went for quantity over quality, didn't he? It's. It, you can't help but laugh. Like, uh, there's, there's just a shit ton of lawnmowers. How does it even work to get her down? Because she's still hanging from this pipe. Did like Hoffman walk back in and turn off all the lawnmowers <laughs> and lawn gnomes? Also, a the weird lawn thing gnomes are the funniest for... part. They had to have known it was like a joke segment when they had this flash sideways. It's like the the fucking most parody version possible. They're in fucking scary movie nineteen right now. Oh yeah. Also, there's a weird victim blaming thing here about her abusive husband. Like, oh, you couldn't just break up with him beforehand. What? What, what is this? Yeah. It's, There's a uh, lot of misogyny throughout this entire fucking film that's not really in the other movies. And normally I would say, and I mean, I, I do think it's like on on Dunstan Milton's part, it's like unintentional. Though it does mm-hmm. feel, when you listen to a lot of the producers' commentaries. They're, they're, they're basically, you get they're just sitting there going like, awooga! Every time uh, yeah. a pretty woman comes on the film that they personally cast. And it's... But- it's it's a little and, weird, like how Boys Club it feels when it's literally like, well, we designed all these shots so we could ogle the woman a little longer. And a lot of this just feels like, I don't want to say, in, like, not intentional, but it's so aggressive in how misogynistic it is. I, I just, I don't understand how it, I mean, I think for, for like, Dunstan Milton's part, it's, um... I, I hate saying it like this, but it's lazy horror stuff where it's like, oh, you just put the women in pain. That's what a. Yeah. A, mm. a sh- but I don't know where all this other shit comes from, like how that worked. And I think it's just dumbassery of no self awareness. Well, and, and again, we've got two movies slammed into each other, and they had less time than normal to write the thing. So I, yeah. I feel like that crush really stopped them from being able to go through multiple times going, 
hey, what are we doing here? <laughs> Does this make a lot of sense? Does this feel uncomfortable to you? Because you can write something. I, I think most writers would agree your first draft is, is normally shit. And then you do a second pass and you use that to basically say, cool, we have a skeleton. We can, we can build this up into something good now. I don't know if they had time to really do what they needed to do to ever make this right. But that's, that's the curse of getting a saw out every single year. Eventually it catches up with you. And this one, boy, there's so many things going on here. We've got Gordon returning. Hoffman's in end guy bad, end game bad guy mode. Jill's working with the police. The police are after Hoffman. Goddamn, Hoffman has like a whole secret plot to get into the police station to kill Jill. That's slow. That's the twist of the movie. Plus, we Which have is these kinda games. Cool, but it, it, I mean, it, it ruins the movie the first time I'm watching it because I'm just sitting there going, "Why the fuck?" If Hoffman's on the run, is he still setting up traps? Yeah, like they connected in the end to be like it was all a convoluted way for him to get inside. And it, it, sure, except this, which I guess is supposed to be set up by Gordon, but. I guess. I don't really I know. Guess. It's hard to keep track of this shit. I mean, I don't know why this game's here. It really yeah. should be. It's weird that it's the final chapter, kind of co-starring Hoffman and Jill every once in a while. I mean, if I were doing this, if they told me, hey, here's the pieces we have, what are you going to do with them? I would say you've got one Saw film left, bring back Gordon and make it a battle of wits between Hoffman and Jill and the police. Gordon plays wild card. You don't know if he is on board with Jigsaw's plans or not. He becomes a mysterious character. You don't know if he's going to help out, kill Hoffman. You don't know if he's going to help out or kill Jill. And you get a chess match between the two. You can make it much smaller stakes. You can get some flashbacks with Kramer as, as Jill kind of becomes centerpiece. You don't have to do all the stuff we're doing. I wouldn't even include traps. I would, I would actually completely cut yeah. them in my version of this movie. But I'm not in charge, and this is what we got. It is what it is. Uh, but unfortunately, I think the ship sailed on these movies not having at least some traps around Saw 4. Which, God, it's, 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 it's almost heartbreaking to imagine a slightly different version of the Saw franchise where they were okay with, okay, maybe there's like one trap a movie. Integrating yeah, them in a different been, way. We don't need a yeah. big, like, ongoing game throughout the entire picture. Right? I think that's that's the problem. Exactly. Or a, a big twist. What if the movie opens with Gordon? Uh, he knocks out Hoffman and puts him in a trap, and the entire movie becomes one last saw trap where Hoffman has to prove his worth as Jigsaw's successor. That would or be die. great. Simple. <laughs> then you have your traps. You still have Hoffman. You can wrap the whole thing up. Gordon gets the return. You basically hit all the buttons that fans are asking for, and it's open-ended enough. You could just say, okay, cool, Jordan, uh, Jordan, <laughs> Gordon's, Gordon's in charge now. Or if you let Hoffman live, you can keep using the guy in case the movie is big and you want to do sequels later. There, there's a lot of weird things about this film, and I get frustrated because I don't know why they felt like they were so boxed in. Whatever. Uh, one thing we should point out here, uh, Bobby's original ending, when this was going to be a two-parter, he was going to survive uh, that public trap and then wake up in the hospital. And that's when Gordon was going to come out. Gordon was going to tell him, you know, hey, you're going to be okay. And we wouldn't know if Gordon was good or bad until the next movie, which as which a cliffhanger, that's very exciting for fans. Like, that's that's good fan service. 
this one, Gordon like has his leg burn moment. So he knows he's going to show up later. They're telling us, Hey, we're tipping our hat. And then we get him in, you know, the, the scene setting up the, the trap series where it's, it's, you know, he's playing it so arch. You're, you're already convinced. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's yeah. a new bad guy. He's it's, it's not, I mean, honestly before. with the cold open of him being, of showing that he's alive, you kind of know like, oh, okay, so Gordon's a secret apprentice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they give it all away. Yeah. I mean, they just, they, it's just fucked up. Just fucked up. It doesn't, doesn't quite work. Um, also, I hate this cop character that we're uh, saddled with as the hero for the picture. I, I, I hate shitting on actors uh, this much, but he is just not good. It's they gave him a, a surprising amount of free reign, I think, in in the performance. They kind of talked how he was allowed to run with the lines a little bit, and that's how he gets some very kind of unusual line readings. Um, I think I forgot it's to mention doing during that the cast Saw franchise. Yeah, uh, the character Gibson is played by Chad Danella. Lovely human being, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't, again, I don't want to shit on this. I don't want to shit, like, I don't want to shit on, I'm not shitting on him as a person, but this performance, I'm not, I'm saying he's even bad in other things, but the character is bad. Uh, The performance feels like he's looking at the camera, it feels like. It's just, it's one of those type of performances. To any Dexter fans listening, this dude is Quinn. It's just if Quinn walked into into a Saw movie and stared at the camera for 90 minutes. <laughs> it's also just like, oh, final film and another Kiro cop character that also then just dies. So what was the purpose of any of this? Who then has flashbacks because he's involved with Hoffman in some way. In a flashback. I'm really sorry for like bitching this much, but in a flashback that kind of fucks Hoffman as a character by showing him murdering somebody long before he ever yeah. met Jigsaw. Right. I hate that so much. It fucks up it's so much right of now. his character development. It, yeah. Um, boy, for a, for a movie I don't like, I have a lot of things to say. I gotta, I gotta spin back a little bit back to the Chester Bennington trap. Uh, that one had actually been written several times for saw films and they could never find one. It really fit into, um, I, I think they had really wanted to use it in six and they just couldn't find the great spot for it. But because it was the last film, the producers were a little more lenient in letting folks kind of get their pet goals in. I feel like, and it, it, part of the problem is that does it fit? Eh, it's the last one though. So if you really want to do it, go ahead. It's the last one. So this is the one we'll just fuck up with randomness so weird i mean we, we have a couple of traps that are repeated or not repeated but brought back from previous drafts or exercise from other films um particularly the unmade saw four yeah like the the teeth having combinations on them so you have to yank your own teeth out um a trap where you know you've got wires in your throat and you have to carefully remove a key there there's a bunch of stuff that had already been written and they went damn it we would love to use this someday yeah oh, well, Gordon's, we're almost out of days uh, here we go Gordon's um, flashback stuff is um, Donnie Wahlberg's from that script. Being nursed back to health and and all that. Also, I don't... Normally there's a hook with the traps, you know? Like you're supposed to learn something. This one's just kind of a test of your agility, I guess? Yeah, I have no idea what the purpose of this one even being a trap that he could have then just immediately died and was supposed to be the other ones at least are like you know a see no evil hear no evil 
say no evil kind of kind of thing because they're all liars, but it doesn't Oh really... my god, it only took uh four movies for the writers to realize that there should be like a philosophical theme to <laughs> their traps. <laughs> like, oh, you figured out the saw thing in the last movie. Dear Saying Bobby, that everybody in is life really you were dumb. a prickly pear below you well, are spikes. If you don't this, want to be uh, scooted. <laughs> also this innocent woman who we will later see burned alive in the dumbest trap in this entire series. Yeah, if they maybe said some sort of hint that like she knew what was going on and enabled it, but instead of like, no, no, no. I swear to God, whenever she I first saw her appear, I thought a female Billy was going to wheel out and then give her her own <laughs> trap. <laughs> Slay. This was a, another thing they kind of juggled in production. They didn't know when to reveal that Bobby was kind of a lying scumbag. And they I felt like that's that, obvious from frame one. Yeah. yeah. They felt they had to make it, you know, much more overt that he was lying. He was, you know, he was bottoming it out because he's in a bar eating peanuts, which I'm like, that's my Saturday. I don't know whether, like, this guy's fucking living the worst life possible. It's so cartoonish, yeah. Shaun yeah. of the Dead is happening behind him. <laughs> this bar looks fun. I don't know what the I like that is. bartender with the headband, by the way. That's nice. <laughs> also, Flannery's flashback bangs. Why? Yeah. I don't ding, understand. Ding, like, it's, ding, it's ding. been like a year. Right? Why does he need bangs? I was discussing this with my girlfriend uh, before getting on. I love the cinematic shorthand of bangs for youth, beard for age. <laughs> <laughs> they got it nailed down. A backwards hat if you just need to really pretend you're middle-aged. <laughs> uh, I had forgotten about this. In my notes, I mentioned that uh, there was an early version of Saw 3 before that got scrapped, where they were going to bring Gordon back, and his wife was going to be in a trap. So that that's part of where the innocent woman in peril thing came from. They reused. Well, he that was whole idea. he was gonna be Jeff. Like he was, from what I understand, it was mostly the same movie. Just the other doc, the doc, um, <clears throat> Doctor Lady was going to just be his wife. I don't. It's it's weird to look back. Like, would any of the previous saws have been better if they had brought Gordon back in, or would it have felt like they were just jamming him into the movie? And I don't know if they ever would have gotten a part where it made sense for him to return. Or but if they it was all early like, enough. Uh, I, I think Saw Four definitely the the Saw Four script we read. If you swapped out one legged Matthews for one legged Gordon, I think it'd have been very strong. That could have worked. Yeah, I think it's, would, it's Saw Three or Saw Four was like the end time. Not that I think you couldn't have brought Gordon in later. Maybe not the last goddamn minute. Maybe like the original version where it's an after credit scene and we get like one whole movie with Gordon. But it has to be in a different capacity. P this pure, purely just confirming fan theories for fun, Gordon, it just doesn't work for me. It's pure mm -hmm. fan service. And in a series that almost thrives on fan service, that's saying something. I'm sorry, we're we're getting some uh, real bad Gibson acting here. This is he's pretty <laughs> bad. From. Yeah, he's uh, they they kind of mentioned he was trying to spice the scene up and give his character a little more life, and that's fair because I'm sure on page this is like just fucking you're crazy. Correct. Yeah, it's it's not a great character, and so he's probably trying to do whatever he could to save it, and instead you get 
crazy. You're crazy. You crazy lady. When she's not doing anything particularly crazy. Yeah, she's just sitting there. It's it's not great improv. <laughs> Repeat safe house a couple more times. <laughs> also, a little weird, like, hey, we know there's, like, a super serial killer in the city with unknown number of accomplices. Let's just leave her in town. It kills me there was an original version of this where they sent, where Hoffman sends them a pizza. <laughs> which I wish was still in there. At least, like, let this be over the top and insane. Specifically, yeah. he sends them a pizza. They op- they're like, oh, nobody here ordered a pizza. They open it up, and there's a tape recorder inside. Bum, 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 From Hoffman. My God. Which <laughs> means that he had the, he told the pizza delivery girl, hey, can you write, uh, can you write this on the inside of the box for me? They, they, they have so much fun in the commentary making fun of the Hoffman pizza. From Papa John Kramer. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think Saw 7 would have been better if they went to space? I think each franchise should go to space. Everything should go to space. We're at the point with Scream where I'm like, just send Ghostface to space. Ghostface. Space, Ghostface. You know, I... Usually I'm always trying to, like, pull out, even from a terrible movie, like, yeah, here's something positive. So I almost feel bad being like this angry about this, but I love Saw. I hate this is how technically the series ended for so long. It's to go back to, to the director. He was in line for Paranormal Activity 2. And I think it shows that forcing a director with two weeks of prep or less to move to Canada and direct a different movie that he hasn't been involved with and doesn't want to be involved with. Doesn't get good results. I don't think he was particularly motivated to make an amazing film. Uh, my theory is still that he fucking tanked it. I could, I could kind of see it. Uh, he was, he was very vocal about the situation, how unhappy he was at the time. So it wasn't like, a, all right, one for the studio, one for me. This guy was like at gunpoint, forced in. Yeah, and I'm sure it was worse for him over time because Paranormal Activity Two was huge. Um. I guess opening weekend, this movie did manage to outproduce Paranormal Activity 2, but PA2 was in its second weekend. So it was $16.5 million for Paranormal Activity 2 in its second weekend, and Saw made $22.5 million opening weekend. So they, they just barely edged out Paranormal Activity 2. Week 2, and man, he could have had a huge franchise. He could have been basically on the ground floor of Paranormal Activity and kind of scoping that series out. Yeah. And instead, he gets stuck with the last Saw. It, it You know, it kind of tanked his career a little bit. He so could have I saved really us from Paranormal Activity 3. Yeah. It's true. God, what a trade-off. Like, I love Paranormal Activity 2, but then somebody else doing Paranormal Activity 3? Mm-hmm. What's the trade-off here? Also, I like the concept of this trap a lot. The problem is... The she's an idiot. <laughs> like she hears the tape, she knows she just doesn't have to scream. There's no way it's actually that painful. I just I don't like this trap because there's so many moving parts. 
That's a lot of moving parts. There's the hook in her throat. It's got a key attached to it. It needs to open a lock with the key. He pulls out of her. If she screams, there's noise detectors that will then move pipes that slowly stab her to death. All she has to do is not scream. And it almost feels like, once again, totally unintentional. I'm not saying it's intentional. A women talk too much thing. It's yeah. just because she's the PR person. I know that. But literally ends with him person. screaming, Why the fuck didn't you just shut your mouth? Again, there's like a weird, there's so much victim blaming where seemingly this, this trap is designed for the person who fails it to be stupid. Like when the, the gag of the trap is it was simple and the stupid woman fucked it up. I think something is wrong. Oh, I forgot to mention how convoluted this is. There's also a timer. So it auto goes off and you don't do it in a minute. There's so much fucking shit. Plus, it, the, the problem, they didn't use this. They had it written in one of the older scripts, uh, the, the Unused Saw 3, right? Um, uh, where four. it's supposed to be a Matthew... 4, yeah. I always get those backwards. Where it's supposed to be Matthew's trap. They didn't because they realized it was too hard to visually really show off what was happening. And it was a key, kinda... like, hanging off, like, a uvula or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so weird. So this one, they, they kind of use a lot of insert shots, you know, the pipes slowly moving and the clocks and all this other stuff to get by, but... It still feels like a, a trap that's not easily shown visually, and it just doesn't quite work for me. Plus, I always hate it so much in a Saw movie, where a person essentially gets the key out, gets the combination, survive the hard part of the trap, and they lose because the timer tells them, like, oh, well, you didn't get the bloody key into the keyhole before the timer ran out. Those are so dumb. I, I, I get these traps are made by psychopaths, but it's still like, come on, that's unfair. Also, once again, nice. did Hoffman make this one? I still don't know. It's unclear. Uh, it's it's always ah. it's frustrating to me because all these traps are designed so everyone dies every step along the way. The only time we didn't have that happen was what, like Saw Three, where Jeff saves yeah. the judge for one trap and he dies in the next room. <laughs> they played around with it, uh, it happening with this, but they just end up not going with it. Well, a few people survived in six. They just didn't. They just kind of stayed in their cells. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Also, hey, of the course, that was a different. That was a different design up. of trap where we had like. Oh, all yeah, the that was like one together. person has to die and someone else has to live, kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, they lose one person per room, kind of thing. It was procedural. Oh, we're in this infamous uh, scene. Oh now. boy, I will say. While the joke about the backwards hat being Jigsaw Younger is funny. Hello, fellow kids. That is technically not why he's wearing a backwards hat. It's not to make him look younger. He's incognito, which doesn't make any sense because (laughs) why does he need to be incognito? I think my theory, they called Tobin Bell and they didn't have a costume (laughs) for him that day. So that's just what he showed up in and they forced him to act in it. There we go. I could believe that. Otherwise, he's just, he's undercover from his civilian identity as billionaire playboy engineer John Kramer, <laughs> who was on the cover of that those. magazine that, that we saw that time. Engineers Weekly? Uh, it would have been great if he showed up with like a fake beard and mustache, maybe even like a fake nose and glasses. Like he just uh, the- really went all out with an awful disguise. He looks like a... Oh, fuck, what was her name in Twin Peaks, where she does, like, the really racist Asian costume to still oh, Caroline. Like, for a season? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just oh. imagine they go on that route. 
I like to think that John is undercover as Bill's character from Seinfeld. <laughs> also, is it just insane to me that this is the only time Tobin Bell appears? I mean, I guess he does, like, in the Gordon tape later on for a brief second, but well, it's the final Saw movie. It's one of the reasons I consider this an island. I don't, like, I don't consider this part of the trilogy that we got uh, following Jigsaw's death is none of this has anything to do with Jigsaw. Yeah. yeah. It, at a certain point in the scripting process, this was all, like... You know, the the final act of Jigsaw's will, but with none of that left in the the finished product, yeah, this is just a Hoffman joint, so this, like, like you were saying earlier, with this being just a, a, a delaying of Hoffman's inevitable death from the end of the last movie, this is just a weird side thing to get to the exact same place we left with Saw 6, so it's almost like a this movie doesn't tangible. fucking count. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And, I mean, there was supposed to be, like, the tagline, you know, his disease is spreading. And they originally had an ending uh, um, where everybody else wearing the t pig masks um, while Hoffman's chained up uh, about to get a game over. Everyone's taking it all, taking their masks off and saying they helped me. And you hear that it's, like, hundreds of people, which would have been at least an ending that had, like, a purpose as to why this is a Saw movie. Like, okay, this is actually at least part of the story. It would have been stupid and wrong because it completely misunderstands the point of the original trilogy of movies by have, but you know, whatever. Um, I mean, it would have been, been almost something. a fun little twist on that, right? Three ends with Kramer realizing like this didn't work. I didn't change anyone. This whole thing was a failure. And he kind of laughs about it. Cause he's like, oh, well, I guess all my dark thoughts about humanity were right. Imagine if it ends after he died, he actually did inspire all these people and it did work. Well, that there's that's that's a a grenade they've been trying to pull the pin on since Saw 4, which is setting up a cult of Jigsaw. Yeah. I'm sorry. Great idea. <laughs> Billy crashing through. Yeah, the I know. It's so unintentional. <laughs> there's so much unintentional hilarity in this movie. Uh, oh, sorry, I have a message for you. I, I was like, couldn't use the door. Billy always this seems track. like he's going to fall down a flight of stairs. Ooh, ah, <laughs> ooh, ah, oh, like ah. J5 and Blank Man. <laughs> it, this trap bothers me because it's the method of death is so similar to the previous trap we just saw. Where yeah. Metal spikes will slowly though. pierce you. It's a little fulchy. I like this one a lot more than the other one. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, a thing to note, uh, this trap was one of the few times we have confirmation that Kevin... Added his own little spice to it. Uh, this was already designed before he came in. And his only addition to it was adding a third spike that would go into his mouth because he thought it would make it a little more cruel, which uh, I agree I, with. I'm oh, convinced yeah. that is only because if you if it's just going into the eyes, it's the pedophile trap from Saw 4. Uh, that too. There's also that. Also, that, that, I am that, happy that is to a see... sign of a bored director, by the way. Uh, I just want to make this interesting for me. Yeah, more pipes. I will say, I do prefer this uh, trap out of most of the other ones, simply because I'm always a fan of trap designs that center around the idea of taking on somebody else's pain. 
in mm. order to, to reach yeah. a goal. That That's something I would love to see an entire Saw movie based around, because I think those moments... Those moments get at what Saw is supposed to be about more so than most of the other traps. Very much so. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to get Jigsaw canceled, but doesn't he seem a little ableist? Like, you have to physically be able to lift up this trap to save uh, this person? Should be mental. Should be a mental trap. Oh, I would love to see somebody with ADD having to do all this shit. <laughs> This has to I would solve never remember this cube. Oh god! Oh, yeah, oh, oh, go. Wait, where was the key? Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Can I have that written down? Because I'm going to reread these like eight times. I threw out the like hot pockets instructions when I'm making a hot pocket. I can't remember all this. I'm just paralyzed with all my choices until the last twenty seconds of the trap, and then I try to do it all at once. <laughs> Uh, going back to the Cult of Jigsaw thing. Sorry, for, uh, the whole trap is just, <laughs> did you remember to take your meds today? We're going to find out. <laughs> whole trap is just designed to make did sure you or did you not? You ju- you're, just give- you're just given a pill bottle with a single pill. Did you already take them? Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Flashback to, like, you continually forgetting to take the pills through the day. <laughs> Better take two just in case. Surprise, you've OD'd. <laughs> take two. Call me in the morning. Slams the door shut. It doesn't make any sense, but it's a great one-liner to end the movie. It doesn't on. kill you. You just get explosive diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> what a film! Uh, but going back to the cult of Jigsaw, um, I do think instead of it being the survivors that are inspired, I think an interesting twist on that is if you did do the public display because he's trying to put his message out there, the idea of non-victims of Jigsaw taking up the mantle of Jigsaw because they're inspired by what he's doing, even though they're not going through it themselves, and then becoming a fucked-up, backwards cult version of Jigsaw is really interesting for where the series could have gone. Uh, That's more reason not to like Jigsaw. It's stolen valor he's given these people. Hell, that would have been an interesting considering stolen valor stolen valor is, you know, the point. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I love this not Mary Lynn Rice cup here. <laughs> Once again. So, Costas Mandalore apparently was a pretty big fan of this character. He really enjoyed that they gave him a big bad role that had a little bit of complexity to it that he could work through. And the character became more one-dimensional as they went through and he just morphed into full-on bad guy Hoffman. He has nothing this to do one, with this movie. Yeah, this one was particularly hard for him to film because he felt like one there there's maybe not as much for him to do a lot of this is you know he stands behind a video screen and (laughs) sends them files Two, back to 3d the setups were so tough he would just have to sit around and wait all day for them to get everything set up the correct way and they couldn't move the camera like they could before so everything has to be kind of just locked down for a lot of his scenes didn't and it, it it sucks because he was you know he's on board he was a fan of the series and then he even kind of admitted yeah the last one wasn't particularly engaging to make so i think your actors are tuned out the director is being kidnapped the writers are panicking trying to slam together two movies Ev- everything here was designed to make this film shit 
Well, I mean, who the fuck is Hoffman at this point? He has no motivation besides getting away and getting revenge on Jill for making his mouth hurt. (laughs) She went to the cops. He had to burn his ID. (laughs) He's very sad about that. But uh, Hoffman has been in the process of being exposed for three movies straight. Right. <laughs> Boy, also, say hello to strong. the most nonsensical fucking trap in this entire series. Yep. It's, it's it's so weird. I actually uh, like the um, philosophical idea of this trap, just for him being a motivational speaker. So uh, try to guide somebody to not fucking die is actually like that's a cool idea and i like how low tech it is uh to that uh to that degree um saying that it's also kind of hilarious mm-hmm. it's also weird how it's so not cruel despite the fact all the other ones featuring women were really cruel they <laughs> i feel like they should have they should have just spliced this one in between the two women dying from pointy spikes just to give us a hint of variety yeah i mean this trap was supposed to be more ambitious when they first designed it. The whole room was supposed to be pitch black and there were going to be night vision goggles. Uh, turns out that's really hard to film. Like there were going to be flashes of light that would allow Bobby to navigate the room by memory. And yeah, even without 3D, that would be so tough to film and get the audience engaging if they only get glimpses. Could have been really interesting, actually, from an audience point of view, if you just yeah. had like a three minute segment that's only sporadically lit by strobes. It would have been a really cool callback to the first film, too, in Adam's apartment. Yeah. But instead, they, they figured, OK, that's too hard. We'll kind of brighten the whole room up. We'll get rid of the 3D and the fla- or the I'm sorry, the night vision and the flash idea. You still have the the gist that Mike was explaining. Like there there's thematically something there, but it still feels lackluster also like the dude not... can just stay up against the fucking wall yeah they're not really selling the danger room i mean they have that glass bottle that just fell but it also doesn't feel as scary as some of the other things that he's gone through already and they don't even particularly establish his fear of heights that would really sell this if they they went out of their way to tell us like this guy cannot stand being more than a foot off the ground and that's why his original made-up trap was so scary you'd have something to work with but it's not here also, the, the automated noose seems overly complicated, and it's not gory, so it doesn't even fit in with a lot of the other stuff that's been happening. And the key bouncing off this guy's chest to fall to the ground like another, oh, almost had it, just makes once, me laugh. Once again, Bobby could have just gone over there and and gotten it, and we would have been good. God dang it, Bobby. God, there's so much of this movie is dedicated to these traps, too. It feels like this should be the A-plot, but it doesn't matter. The whole storyline we've shown up for is Hoffman and Jill and now Gordon. So this guy's like, who fucking cares? Yeah, I I cannot understand why you would make the main plot of the series honestly less than the B-plot. This movie's only an hour and a half long, and I, I think the Hoffman stuff probably only takes up like what 10 minutes yeah probably about that 10 15 it's it's fucked up to think this is a saw movie where the flashbacks are for the fucking (laughs) b-plot 
I mean, it's also that was the world's longest seven seconds. I know they're <laughs> not particularly honest with the clocks in most movies, but that was like, come on. They showed us it was eight seconds, like 30 seconds ago. Hoffman went with Mississippi's for that last seven seconds. <laughs> no, okay. Kale. These guys. Hey, woo, we're back to the other plot. Let's at go, officers. Po- at this point in my notes, I've written down, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but can we please get back to Hoffman? <laughs> it just makes you mad because you're invested in that stuff. And we keep being torn away from it. Yeah, they spent the six movies plot. building that up. Why would you ever go away from it? That's the thing we're the, actually invested in. Yeah, and the Hoffman plot is... It can be... It wouldn't take up an, an episode of a TV show. <laughs> okay, so, so here we have a flashback. Woo! With, with just like the most stereotypical crazy bum. Like, ah, cop! Ah, smash him with a bottle! In this 1980s alley... <laughs> and we have Hoffman murdering because uh, that's just how he likes to clean up the streets which is not the like Hoffman gonna... we had been pre- previously introduced to yeah and it, they're trying to set up almost like a twist thing like this guy's fate was to, to interact with Hoffman the, the writers have explained it the idea is Jill would be comfortable with this guy because he and Hoffman have history and so she could trust him to fight against Hoffman but uh, it it doesn't feel like they've linked those ideas together sufficiently. It's, if it's anything, another if, last minute hero character to come in for one movie and then disappear. Right. Also, it, God, it, it I, I know like, Saw. I know Saw is not known for its subtlety, but a whole lot of shit falls under the umbrella police brutality. You didn't have to have Hoffman grease a bitch. <laughs> That was the most efficient way to do it. Like, he shoots me all know, oh, that Hoffman, he's a real bad egg, and he was before. It's, honestly, it's lazy writing. We need to, we need, uh, we need backstory for these two guys. Um, okay, Hoffman kills somebody in, in front of him because, you know, Hoffman's the bad guy. Um, yeah. Wait, hey, wait, doesn't that, um, like, completely go against the characterization for Hoffman we've uh, previously set up for what makes actually Hoffman really interesting as someone who became, like, a serial killer? Yeah, but we really need backstory, and we have to film in about a week. I don't even think yeah. they needed backstory. It could just be Hoffman no, really wants to kill He's Jill. just a fucking Here's cop. a cop. Yeah. <laughs> that would, that's all guy. you got to do. <laughs> you don't really – I guess it pads the movie out slightly to get those extra scenes in there. You, but... you don't have to backstory everything, but it bo- it just – it bothers me so much to see Hoffman kill somebody before <laughs> he was supposed to. It It just – the thing that actually made Hoffman interesting is the fact that Jigsaw fucked up and made a serial killer. Yeah, and we don't even get like a good payoff from the cop to Hoffman. It's not like there's a test for the cop and Hoffman's trying to put him through the paces one more time. This is just another guy in his way. Like it, it doesn't. It's weird. Hoffman's even aware that like he's involved. Right. Again, that's it's just. <sighs> I would say if there's one gigantic overriding issue with the Hoffman era of this series, 
I've been thinking about this a lot lately, like trying to put my finger on like, what is it that causes that, that disconnect? It's just at no point does Hoffman ever feel like he as a character is an extension of the traps or the the traps are an extension of him. In the first three Saw movies, Jigsaw is Saw. Like, John Kramer is in every one of those traps. He's in those environments we spend time with. Uh, Even in the ancillary characters like uh, Amanda, we see his influence. Hoffman feels like you could have deleted him from the movies and conked in a different apprentice, and... It, it would flow the, exactly the same. At no, fo- at no point do I feel Hoffman's presence in any B-plot. Yeah, they're all function. They're all... What you feel are the producers sitting around coming up with them. Like, imagine a, wor- a series where all of Hoffman's... Pl- all of Hoffman's traps are like, I don't know, like... Kind of like what we saw some of in Saw 5, like a very punt... Like, Punishment based, yeah, medieval stuff like the rack, like that. That's interesting. That's the that's seeding like a whole like potential for for myth uh, for symbolism and shit, and just the graveyard of wasted potential from these fourth from these four movies. Hoffman deserved better, is what we're saying. (laughs) Which is weird. (laughs) It's weird that I never thought I would have come around. (laughs) <laughs> the last thing I thought I would say was, man, Hoffman got shafted as much as Amanda. Oh no, you've been Hoffman pilled. <laughs> I've gone Hoff mode. <laughs> I, I'm very scared. Uh, when I was researching this movie, I, I stumbled upon, and I don't know why I didn't think of it before, the Saw Reddit. I was just scrolling through, and someone posted a picture of young Costas Mandalore without his shirt on, barefoot, and they're just like, Hoffman feet pics! And it just... <laughs> Boy, I'm done. Look, I don't, there I is know a anymore. whole sexual component to Hoffman, so I'll face it. It's very strange to me that Costas Mandalore was a heartthrob for like a year. <laughs> it's like him and sexiest, Mark Harmon. Yeah, the sexiest man. Speaking oh, of, I, my girlfriend we, and I... We'll keep girlfriend... you safe. We'll put you in this cage. Just fucking drive her out of town. Put her on a bus. <laughs> drive her to fucking <laughs> Arkansas. Also, completely tangential, like, unrelated to this, my girlfriend and I were watching old episodes of Saturday Night Live on Peacock the other day, just to finish out the night, and we were watching uh, Mark Harmon's episode from the 80s, and it is fucking bizarre seeing Mark Harmon treated as sexual chocolate by pop culture. Are you saying Mark Mark Harmon still isn't sexual chocolate? <laughs> well, Jethro Gibbs. <laughs> Sexual uh, white chocolate, by the way. I don't want to be accidentally racist. As I, I, I'm so fascinated by flash in the pan sex symbols. <laughs> God, I, I'm going to bitch about this 3D for so long <laughs> with. One of the problems with the 3D is, too, you don't have the selection of lenses that you would have, necessarily, in a normal film. 
wouldn't this be better if the guy's pulling his teeth out and we had macro lenses and we could like fucking get in in minute detail and really see these yeah. teeth getting I know, we're, This is an entire scene of a dude putting his hand in his mouth. Yeah. The description in the original Saw 4 script of that bit is so good and here just like he just looks like he's trying to gag himself. Oh no, they're in the green ones. me out. <laughs> See for yourself, which is supposed to be a clever clue that Hoffman's letting him know he's right behind the glass. He's Candyman. Candy man. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have they ever they ever shown that Hoffman has like the fucking Riddler complex or is like I need to get them clues so they can find me and play fair teehee riddle me this Batman again I have no idea who the fuck Hoffman is in this movie he's some guy in the gap between the opening and the games he just became a Batman villain pretty much to the extent where, like, originally in the script, he was going to sneak into the police station inside of a dead body, like he's Dr. Giggles. I have no I idea realized... how that was going to work. Apparently they just had a discussion where they, like, sussed out how exactly that would work, and they're like, oh, that makes no sense, okay. Like, you only got away with it in Silence of the Lambs because it was a face instead of a whole body. And uh, they would have noticed it pretty quick if they weren't desperate to get the guy medical attention. Yeah, also, like, Mandalore is fucking huge. Yeah, you need, like, Andre the Giant or something for Hoffman to, like, climb into. The only thing was, like, oh, that would have been a cool visual of Hoffman, like, covered in gore, like, terminatoring his way through the police station. Because we're, uh, we're we're really hard up for like interesting things in this movie, so I'll I'll take it. Yeah. Also, to be maximum petty mode about this, I fucking hate how Tobin Bell's voiceover sounds in these tapes. There's all these weird distortions they put on it in this movie, which makes me wonder if they're trying to make it ambiguous as to whether or not this is Kramer or Hoffman who's doing the tapes at this point. Yeah, I believe that's that's what they're going for. They yeah. had a hard time deciding if Hoffman should just be doing all the tapes, but they felt it was too iconic to not use, like, Kramer's voice. So they, they tried to compromise as much as they could and muddy the waters so it wouldn't necessarily be easy to tell. Again, it just makes okay. it more uncanny. It makes it feel like you're watching a fake Saw movie. Yeah. Speaking of fake things, so um, this trap where you could just... I don't know, stand on the hooks or put them around your forearm. Um, there's like a dozen different things you could do that wouldn't harm you in any way for you to uh, actually win this trap. And yeah, I'm it, really it annoyed. Does. All you got to do is climb the ropes, bud. Like, <laughs> just just but yank and pull. I At a certain point, you could hook the rope. Ro- yeah, like you could just hook the, the hooks onto the something ground. else in the room, by the way. And, then and just, just pull. <laughs> So part of my problem with this trap, there's a lot of issues logically with this trap. One, I hate that it fails because his his story was fucked in the first place. Like the human body just can't support itself through thin chains through the chest. Uh, like if you're going to do that, fucking skip all the other shit. Why are you putting like five people to deaths just so they can figure out like, oh, a mechanical fairy would have stopped him no matter what. Let's kill an innocent woman and a lawyer and a PR person and a liar. Two, like what? If the whole trap's designed so it will just rip his chest out and he never could really complete it if it's done the way they designed it, why even put him through the other parts? Like, they know he's not going to learn anything because he'll be dead at the end. 
That's so frustrating because the whole idea of this is it's based on the sundown ritual, which is supposed to be completable. Well, I guess and you I should put backtrack it underneath a little bit. The muscle. That's the thing. Yeah. I guess, like, he is, he doesn't really die. It rips part of his chest out with just, like, a surface wound. So I guess it, it, all the rest of the stuff is to make him feel bad, and hopefully he'll learn a lesson on top after his wife, girlfriend, is brutally killed. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we don't see him again in this, uh, there wasn't a need for the rest of his plot, so there's actually no purpose for... How silly is that? Like, you don't even have to show the character's fate, because you just be like, eh, whatever. We're done. Oh, sorry. We're missing the big twist of the movie, which is happening with 20 minutes still left. Wild. Flashback. Hoffman was was cheating his way into this police station the whole time to kill Jill. I do like Mastermind Hoffman, so this is kind of fun to that Where do you think he put this body? He put him in the other room and uh, put, uh, dressed him up, remember? It looks so silly when that head just bounces. Like it, 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 lo- it almost looks like a it's bad just a fucking mannequin. Yeah. Uh, so I will oh say, God. Breaking Bad totally ripped this off. Yeah. I was about to say, do you think they saw this movie in Breaking Bad? It's like, okay, well, we've got a machine gun. Uh, what are we going to do with it? I mean, it fits in with the saw because it's always a convoluted trap, but it's like, just put a pipe bomb in there, bud. Why do, you, why do you have an automated machine gun you've snuck in here to your lair? Science, bitch. It's just, just a silly way to off these characters. You don't even get a real face-off between Hoffman and this guy. He realizes it's too late. Hoffman has a plan, and then he gets gunned down. <sighs> uh, to, to, to continue to make this movie better... Imagine a like them just leaning into the silliness, and we get an entire movie of Hoffman on the run with gadgets, like mini <laughs> saw, like he, like, he, like he just throws saw traps at people and shit. They've all got spirals painted on them. <laughs> so I'm fascinated is... by the fact that they had to seed this coroner dying like three movies. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I do like Hoffman going oh, to what a wonderful day. Oh, everybody no! in the police station. <laughs> I, I, I do like that. That's cool. This It's fine. It just feels so weird because the other trap is essentially wrapped up and they still have a whole fucking act of the movie where like, oh, fuck, okay, good. We've done the trap stuff now. Let's move on. More traps. So I do like that they point out in the writer's commentary that the only reason they can afford a SWAT team is because Bowsman did it in Saw 2. <laughs> he got to do it, why not us? I like to think that if Saw 2 hadn't have happened, the police would not have been a part of the Saw franchise. I really appreciate how petty that trap was, because Hoffman wrote, you were warned in spray paint inside <laughs> the room, before killing them with, like, mustard gas. <laughs> like, you don't have to be a dick about it, you already are gonna murder them. <laughs> They've got families at home, man, come on. Bobby, I love you, but you were so dumb. You were so dumb. Also, I just want to say, the idea of taking a bullshit motivational speaker and forcing him to enact a tribal ritual intended to make you a leader is brilliant. Again, I hate that it's wasted on this movie. <laughs> yep. Look behind you, it's Hoffman! Quick, Hoffman, stab her in the chin. <laughs> give him, give him, goddamn, he needed a bigger scar. They really just need to actually... I know, fucking... in the dream sequence, he looks so cool. 
I do hope when we get the eventual Hoffman Nika figure, we get a head for Saw Jigsaw. Dude, he could have just pulled himself up and put his feet in between the hooks and just... <laughs> right? There's just so There's many so other many ways. ways. Bobby, I love you, but you're so dumb. So fucking stupid. I'm just fascinated. Like, how did how did that get all the way through production? And they're like, well, we already committed to the bit, so we, you know, we, we were stuck with it. At least they still didn't film the fake version while he's telling the story. In a pristine white room, so you know it's <laughs> fake right away. <laughs> so do you think at this point in the franchise, were you, were you burnt out on these nondescript grimy warehouses, or do you feel like that's a, an iconic Saw thing? Like I was burnt time out he's... on it by pretty much Saw 4. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it gets old, but it's just part of the film franchise. It'd be weird, like, if you did a Nightmare on Elm Street movie and it didn't have some sort of, like, weird, grimy, with, like, boiler room kind of a well, beyond, points. Beyond a three, I'll, I feel like most of my favorite traps are the ones that intentionally askew that aesthetic, like the uh, the breath trap in Saw 6. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> I feel like there's so much about this franchise that is limited like we said way back in the saw 2 commentary like that that's the movie that damned the saw franchise because so much of it is aesthetically trying to ape that specific movie and i think the trap locations is a big part of that like i'm not saying we need the pristine white room but god there are so many more interesting places for us trapped to take place in than some warehouse somewhere well it's crazy how much more expensive Saw 1 looks. I mean, look at this fucking set. I also, this looks, I can't, I, this, this I looks laugh like every fucking... time I see this because they have just glued some, like, blobs of blood onto the cell bars when this guy got it's shot. Bad. This, it's like the it, stickiest blood in the world there. What's going on? It looks We're like a set from, like, of... a high school theater production. Like, it's so fucking terrible. Oh, we're in Killer Clowns from Outer Space right now. All right, so Jill actually gets a little bit of fight back. How do I look? You barely have a scratch in comparison to what you should have. It's almost like they didn't have money for makeup. Yeah. That'd be hard to put on every day. Let's just not do it. So Jill fights back for about one second, and now we have another Super Jill runaway moment. This guy's still yanking on these chains because they have to make the climaxes kind of line up, even though the story should have been done ten minutes ago. And even though they have nothing to do with one another. I, I love it, that Bobby. the story isn't and has not ended solely due to editing. It's God, this is the movie equivalent of the end of uh season two of Daredevil, where that uh Electra fight that goes on for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Bobby Iron Man! Another thing I never Robocop walk. Another thing I never realized until listening to the commentaries was that uh, she's going to be roasted in, in essentially the brazen bull, but it's the yeah. brazen pig. I never realized it was a pig until they pointed out in the commentary where the writers were kind of annoyed that no one understood it. Oh it no! Joe like forgot there are lights in this fucking building. It, it it looks like a spaceship, actually. Um, 
Yeah, the I, I don't think there's a single fan in the world who likes the brazen bull trap. I think everybody finds it overly cruel, and it's just really stupid. And aesthetically, it just doesn't look that good. Also, what happened to Jill's character? It's just so weird. She used to be a character. Does Will, like does her own Jill art do a and th- shit. Does Jill, Jill do anything in this movie other than a skedaddle? She does stab Hoffman that one time. Um, but this is, this is hilarious. Like, she just goes in this room and hides. Doesn't even put up a good fight. She's a doctor, so theoretically she's smart. How did Hoffman not see her there when he walked fucking in? <laughs> Jesus Christ. The blocking on this whole thing is just, we gave up. Just put her in the oh corner, let's get it done with. The tragedy of Jill being undone by her weakness, a locked door. This fucking giant mechanical wonder Hoffman apparently had time to make. Fucking, there's God, so much, so many stupid. moving parts. Oh no, she's trapped she... in the Millennium Falcon and it's crashing. And then she's burned alive and then we cut away from this never to cut back. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the plot. It's just... Not even an attempt to make it tie into anything else. Well, there's there's a moment where the cops are busting into the place to say we got a live one, and they they they're only showing corpses. So I, I guess that's supposed to imply that the timeline was set up where they were finding him alive at the end. Also, but they couldn't lovely, show it then because it didn't line up. Absolutely lovely getting our one C bomb of the franchise. Excellent for Jill's exit. Yeah, it's not even a quick death either, right? Like, they have to actually slow show her suffering. Like, that'll show Bobby. It's so brutal. And then we kill Jill, nullifying the point, point of anything, like, that we were hanging on to, like, emotionally with this picture. Kill uh, Jill, who's also, wearing, just, I think, uh, yoga pants right now? <laughs> I believe so, and it's... Kramer's legacy was such a failure, he got his wife somehow killed twice in one movie. He fucked up that bad. It's frustrating because, like, okay, so if he had, like, Gordon and the Cult of Jigsaw and all that, why did he need to put Jill in danger to kill Hoffman? So that's the other thing that drives me nuts about the ending. It's supposed to be Gordon is supposed to step in if anything happens to Jill. Should it be if you love your wife, uh, Gordon should step in before anything happens? It doesn't line up with, with John's entire fucking motivation or what we know about him at all. Unless it was, and I don't think this was what was intended, I think this is just haphazard writing, that, like, oh, it's John trying to teach Jill a lesson, so having her finish Hoffman's game by... You know, having that that whole thing with the with the reverse bear trap tied into a Hoffman trap that he views as unwinnable, as that's what he sets up and tied to somebody else's fate. That's a nice piece of irony. Jill completes an arc there by actually doing a jigsaw thing, and that's actually a decent place to end the series. Instead, it's it seems like. John just gave her busy work, and then it fucked up and ended her life. And I don't really understand why you would make Jigsaw look like an idiot. He he looks dumb. Jill looks just like a worthless, weak character. Uh, And this is silly to me, because as soon as Mandalore leaves, he is instantly knocked out by Gordon. Like, we got a Gordon signal. Yeah, like he was just waiting for this to happen. Why not fucking go in there and do something beforehand, man? 
it's also it's, also like, this I'm sorry this bothers uh, me so fucking much why is Jill's death treated as though Hoffman is being awesome right like you get a big fucking superhero shot of him going past the the bear trap he gave her that she gave him to the original bear trap with the saw theme playing like yeah gonna the, kill the producers and the writers and he gets a game over too yeah you know what game and the writers and producers are like act like everybody wanted jill to die but jill wasn't a bad wasn't a bad guy hoffman was i i jill was more or less the hero of the sequel trilogy yeah she was like well, she the main yeah. arc after Hoffman. Without them having her actually do anything. I guess to, to give the film some amount of credit, they mentioned over the last two hours, it's like the city's been on fire. Nine policemen are dead. Jill is dead. So I guess word got to Gordon through the news and he just <laughs> immediately knew where Hoffman was hiding. So he came to take care of business, gathered up his cronies in like 15 minutes and there's a lot of ands. It's he got, it's he got Brad and Ryan on a speed dial. Such at which up the two boys? We got some killing to do. It's such an empty flashback because at this point we know Gordon's going to be involved. They didn't bring him back for one scene so he could clap and then walk out of the picture. Yeah. And the flashback that he was working with Kramer the whole time again. What? Because of I the mean, opening I, of the movie, we already knew Kramer saved him. There, it's there's no surprise to it. This is just empty fan service to pad the movie out. Fan service. <laughs> I do like that little move there of Tobin Bell anointing him with the water. It's also this. Is, this makes no sense other than it's from the Matthew script. Why does he give him a cyber leg? Yeah. <sighs> It's it's a monkey paw situation. We all wanted Gordon back, and they gave us Gordon back in the most disappointing fashion possible. And then he disappears from the franchise. It's one of those dangling threads that are now left out there now that the series is back that I kind of don't want them to pick up. Have you, uh, you or Jamie seen Saw 10 yet? Not yet. Okay. Like, I am all for more Gordon if they just kind of pretend this movie never happened. Yeah. Well, I, the, I, the way the, the producers described, like, this this is the end of Hoffman. We did not plan on doing more with Hoffman. Yeah, the they thought if we did said, sequel, No, he is dead forever. We intentionally designed it so there is logically no way he could get out of that fucking room. Although, it's still, if you want that to happen in a Saw movie, you need to actually, like, blow their head off with a trap. Uh... But they, they did say the whole point was we're establishing that Gordon and the Cult of Saw could be the thread forward. If they want to make more Saw films, they do that. Which kind of comes true in Saw 9 when they did Spiral. That's kind of like a you know an inspiration thing. Yeah. But they, they immediately go back on that and decide to do a prequel deal for Jigsaw. So... Which don't be a I, pussy about it. Go full on on the fucking cult of Jigsaw stuff. I, I get annoyed when movies with French or like history go, oh, man, we can't make another one. We don't want to move the timeline forward. People people have ideas about what happened. We can only focus on the past and fill in the cracks with existing characters. It worked in Saw 10's place because you get Tobin Bell back for a whole movie. But 
fuck, even that bothered me in Star Wars a lot of times where they'd be like, oh, we can't really move forward, but we can do a lot of prequel stuff. We can do TV shows about the prequels. We can have live action shows that are kind of set between movies, but we can't afford to move the plot forward unless it's a gigantic three movie long trilogy. And yeah, this was Saw too. Like they just don't want to move past this point in time directly. Also, didn't the cops find this fucking base bathroom at some point? I could have sworn that like, never burned down and saw five. I yeah, so. like this shouldn't exist. <laughs> Unless <laughs> he's just been doing the same trap over and over again. How many fucking bodies are in there by now? The whole no, purpose there's... of this movie was to end on a twist of Doctor Gordon just yeah. being a secret apprentice, and that was it. That's why you watched an hour and a half long movie. And you knew it from moment one. You knew it yeah. exactly the moment you saw him crawling on the floor and Kramer comes up and saves him with the, you know, the, the cauterization. And, and it's not it, even entirely the, the, it's not even giving you exactly what you want. Because one thing that they are very insistent on is that Gordon isn't an apprentice, which at the same time is also the most interesting thing about this entire fucking movie is their initial idea of, well, the, it's not so much that John had all of these sidekicks. He's more like the shadow. Like they even like specifically name check the shadow in the commentary. Like, no, he just has dozens and dozens of agents who he doesn't make apprentices. He just wants them to do a thing here or there, which is a very interesting idea. Yeah, none yeah. of that's established yeah, yeah, really just- in the movie. It's just a little murder. Come on, bud. A little favor here. A little little eye key here. A little uh, amputation there. Come on. Come on, between friends. Come on. It's the idea that, like, okay, he doesn't have extra apprentices, but he has these people who hold, like, idolatry to him, where he can ask them of things. Because, um, you know, in Gordon's part, uh, there's some like Stockholm syndrome there because he nursed him back to health, which of course isn't really in the movie. But if you read the original Saul Four script, you might be able to like parse that out. Mm-hmm. Also, just the idea of like again, they kind of ruin it with the the editing of the reveal by showing like, oh, he he did apprentice things and he he was the man with the limp, which doesn't really make sense continuity wise. Uh, the no. idea of Gordon. Gordon's role solely being, hey, if somebody hurts my wife, kill him. Like, that's an interesting moral gray area where Gordon isn't necessarily an acolyte of Jigsaw. He's just someone who hates all of this bullshit so much he can be trusted to kill the next Jigsaw if he acts up. Yeah. I guess all I can say is that yesterday I had friends over and we watched The Warriors, and then today I had friends over so we can watch Saw 7, and it's such a letdown. I was so much happier when we were watching The Warriors. Nobody needs to watch Saw 7 with friends. I can't believe we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's, is, is this the angriest commentary we've ever done? Kind of. The plus side here is we, we have, wow, still, you know, three more Saw movies to go through to finish this thing off. I, I'm kind of a fan of Jigsaw. I know most people don't appreciate it that much, but I, I feel like it kind of gets back into middle ground of Saw quality territory. It's okay, I think. Spiral hasn't Spiral hasn't won me over, but it's trying different things, so it's it feels refreshing. If I don't know else. if anybody likes Spiral, but that's the one I'm really interested to check out just because of what a tonal shift that seems to be. Yeah. I feel it's, people are too hard on it. I kind of feel a little bit. There's a little bit of hyperbole. 
but after seven, I feel most of it's a, a you know step up. And then Saw Ten works. I I don't know if I love it as much as everyone else, but I still had a good time with it, and it feels like a much bigger return to form than the other two attempts at rebooting the series. So we hit a low point here, folks, but they're going to get better. And I say all this waiting for Saw Eleven to come out in September and dash my hopes one more time. Don't don't don't. They're doing everything in their power to make that bad, so. <laughs> I, I have paid no attention to production on that, so I don't know where it lands in the, the series, if they have a plot synopsis out there, who's coming back, who's not coming back. Uh, I, I'm kind of excited to go in blind for that one and then be disappointed when they just fuck it all up. We hope for the best. <laughs> who knows? Maybe. I mean, I didn't expect 10 to be good and 10 was fun. So who Girl. knows? Maybe 11 will also be fun and they just ride that lightning. Hey, I'm content. I'm content with the fact that they're, they made one last good Saw movie. I'm, I'm always content with a series if it just has one more good one after a drought. And the nice thing is, you get Tobin Bell really flexing his muscles the whole time. That's what we've wanted the whole franchise, and he it deserved only it. only got flashes of. So that's cool. This movie didn't have it, uh, so nope. Nope. good thing We're, that happened later on. We are officially done with the original Saw saga. I and should make Bruits. a new rule where I don't have to drink Malort anymore. Like, I can switch to Fernet or something for the next You're couple. welcome to. We, we give no, you I made rules, home. Mike. There are uh, rules to this game. It's the rules. Um, it's the rules. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the wildest thing about doing this series, A, I got to be a sawhead again. It's been a while. <laughs> the series broke my heart. But uh, I walked away weirdly coming around on Hoffman and kind of, Coming around on five and six, which is very surprising. Yeah, same. Like I actually like like I haven't really talked about that talked about it that much in this commentary series, but I kind of have always hated the Saw franchise. Like even right down to like not liking the original movie whenever it first came out, and I've been very very slowly warming up to the series. Over the past decade, after revisiting uh, one and two, and at this point, I think I can say like this series, like uh, this commentary series, has made me a Saw fan, which I was not expecting. <laughs> I came in pretty late. I didn't catch any of the Saw movies in theaters during this initial seven movie run, so I, I caught them basically through IMDb comment recaps. So my impression of what the Saw films were didn't match up to the actual films I saw the first time. And uh, I'm glad I was able to revisit them years later through this commentary, because now I can see them more as they are, rather than the weird expectations and fan theorizing that had built me up through <laughs> through the years. It's it's nice. It's it's just seeing the movies as they are. Not all of them are perfect or great, but there there's some fun to be had in there. Like a lot of horror franchises, Saw isn't that much when you look at the individual movies, but the entire series together really kind of is kind of impressive and kind of stands as something. I hate how this movie ends and how it ties everything up, but I love, on paper, the idea they made seven whole movies over seven years that are really one big story, that they didn't do weird jumps to, you know, five years in the past and continue on that thread, or they didn't do another character in a different city who's going through different jigsaw killings. These first seven really are one big story. And that's pretty fun. I, I love that someone took the big swing and said, let's just keep pulling this thread and see where it unravels. 
There's nothing really else like that. The closest is like the MCU. Child's Play kind of. I mean, they they jump around a bit, but it's Child's Play kind of, but they do jump. Continuity, but it jumps around a whole lot, and there are big gaps between entries. And Child's Play is not really one big story. Like the series has done a lot of work towards tying everything together, but those are very distinct eras. Saw is. Yeah, so Saul is basically one graphic novel series that has been going for 10 movies. That's probably a good way to describe it. Like, one big trade paperback. And then a couple of, like, Watchmen reboots, you know? Oh, uh, let's just get a different guy in here. Let's see if he can kick this off again. Before Jigsaw. Well, okay. We got some positivity in there after a lot of complaining. Thank you, folks, for hanging through this one. Uh, just remember, I have drank Malort for your sins. So don't get too mad that you had to sit and watch Saw 7, because we also suffered. We put ourselves through the same trap. Cody if you would like to, to listen to, it was awful, real bad. Don't do it. Uh, if you would like to listen to more of Box Office Pulp, we can be found on boxofficepulp.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Wherever you can find podcasts, we're probably lurking in the shadows if you search Box Office Pulp. We have years worth of content. Don't go too far back. It's probably bad. Uh, I haven't re-listened to old episodes, but I'm just assuming my opinions were dumb and have gotten marginally better over time. Do not listen to the Man of Steel episode. <laughs> I was wrong almost instantly. Don't on that listen one. to Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> oh yeah, that's just us bitching for like five hours, but that was fun. It was cathartic for me. Try that man lives. <laughs> but I think that's gonna be a wrap, folks. We will return at some point for the outstanding three saw films, so don't worry, there will be more commentaries and they will be more upbeat. I swear to god. <sighs> I'm already thinking of the combinations of Malord I can make and uh, uh, uh I'm regretting my choices already. Look, uh, you have the excuse. You have the excuse to move on to White Claw. <laughs> there are no laws when you're doing the claws, so that would make a lot of sense for a soft, you know, film. I hate this. <laughs> Anyways, folks, let's get the hell out of here. That's a wrap. I liked it more when I didn't have an idea what I was going to say to wrap up episodes because it felt it felt like I could hit more ground and have one more good joke. And now it's like I've said the things I'm supposed to say. How do I stop this? I can't get off the roller coaster. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Do you think when Hoffman made the dream train trap while it was barreling towards Jill, he was quietly going, choo-choo, choo-choo, choo-choo. The only thing that's bad about... Being the engineer of a choo-choo train is, you can only do it once. Uh, it just screams, Blaine's a pain, as it charges through Jill. That was, that was a joke for my five other Dark Tower fans. You're welcome. I like that. I like that. He's just an awful choo-choo train named Blaine the Pain. Uh, a crossover in season two of Sandman, where it just flashes into this dream, and Morpheus is just kind of watching the background going, huh, Okay. <laughs> Also, God, it really says it all that this movie ends with Hoffman saying, Game over. With no inflection and then politely closing a door as Jill dies. Leaving, locking the doors behind him. Starting a small little fire. He cares about safety. He does. Uh, I would... I I, I regret not mentioning this during the commentary proper, but boy, you can tell they're inspired by Pan's Labyrinth where he's sewing sewing his face up. And what a bummer. If you put those two scenes next to each other, how one... (laughs) is like wince inducing and it's it's brutal and it's so effective and del toro is just doing a master class in that scene and this one it's it's like okay 
Lots of cam- cool, cool, I guess he's got a scar. And then he looks like uh, Gerard Butler as the Phantom. I guess the lesson here is just don't compare any other movie to, like, Pan's Labyrinth unless you want to bum yourself out. And like, fuck, I should just be watching Pan's Labyrinth. Guillermo del Toro's Saw. You can't tell me he would not put together an amazing Saw movie. No, I like to compare uh, The Secret of Nim to Pan's Labyrinth. It actually lines up. That I could see. That would make an interesting double feature. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. This here show is brought to you by Zencaster, the all-in-one solution for podcasting that's easy as logging in and hitting record. With Zencaster, you get studio-quality sound up to 4K video right from your browser. No more worrying about unstable connections thanks to Zencaster's multi-layered backups that ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality. But that's not all. Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound like a pro. It automatically removes those pesky ums and ahs and even those awkward pauses in conversation. If only it could remove those from my love life. But gone are the days of needing a bunch of different tools and services to create a podcast. Zencaster's complete platform lets you create, edit, and distribute your podcast all in one place, allowing you to easily publish to Spotify, Apple, and all other major destinations. So why wait? Start your podcasting journey with Zencaster today and experience the zen of podcasting. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code BOXOFFICEPULP and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. <laughs> 